Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I am joined by... Beth on Delay. Portable Sam. <laughs> I'm Caleb. Ever, ever since Sam said the thing about the soundboard of just, like, stringing the syllables together at random intervals, I can't get it out of my head. I'm just picturing you hunched over a board, hitting three buttons really no, quickly. There, there's, a, there's a different bit, and I realized last episode of, like, oh, I could have structured this bit differently so it makes more sense, and I'm probably just in a future book going to do the same bit but better. Um, <laughs> but I'll just keep you in the dark until then. God, Lovely. no, please. <laughs> I think I've said before, your best bet at figuring it out is the first three or four episodes. And then I really had to start stretching right away. <laughs> so listeners, go back and re-download all those episodes. We also, when we all logged into our recording, uh, discovered that Sam had labeled himself as potable. Multiple of us <laughs> misread it as portable. And then it turns out when we start recording, he is in fact also portable. That's true. I'm portable and potable. It's my favorite Jeopardy categories, portable potables. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Portable. Everything except for lakes. (laughs) (laughs) Should we continue blathering on about this, or should we get to this first chapter where Yasna kills several people? Yasna has killed four Four men. Four people are are dead. Yay! And she's 34! (laughs) A hag! A A spinster! (laughs) yeah no i think the the theme of this episode is eventful things like like meaningful changes to relationships or to characters in the parts of the book where we normally don't get that we have some some very surprising things happening with uh, yasna and shalon uh and then also some new developments in our kaladin flashback chapters as well so it's uh, it's an interesting one this time around yeah. As, as I said, are these just the betrayal chapters? <laughs> I will say for as monumental as these chapters were, last chapter ended with Tep saying, I want some answers. And I was like, oh boy, next Caledon chapter, I'm going fi- to finally figure out what's going on with the starlight and the magic and everything. And the next Caledon chapter was a flashback. I was like, okay, next Caledon chapter. Next chapter <laughs> of that, Caledon is in a coma for the entire chapter. And yep. chapter only like thinks some things to himself and answers no questions. Teft continues to think, I really want some answers once you are actually conscious. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's take a look. Uh, we'll start with The Lesson, uh, which is in the, the two-volume paperback version. This is the final chapter of volume one. So Oof. you do you, you have the back-to-back of Kaladin surviving the storm, uh, Shalon seeing Yasna use her soulcaster to kill several people, and then you go to time for the next volume. So it's uh, it's it's quite a dramatic point to end there. Yeah. In hindsight, that's that's a solid place to, to yeah. divide it. That's pretty yeah. exciting. I can't imagine ending on that and then not understanding the publication system and moving directly to, uh, is it Words, Words of Radiance of next? But like completely yeah. missing yeah. out on the second chunk of this book. That would be buck wild. <laughs> <laughs> A lot has happened since since huh. Ralph checked in with these characters. Uh, we have a an epigraph here before we get started. Uh, we have something talking about using a dawn shard to craft the the steps for the heralds, uh, and then the the annotation is 
basically saying, I'm not sure about this one. I, I've seen references to these, these dawn shards in mythology, but nobody talks about them and nobody really knows. So not, uh, not a lot of <laughs> anyway. information for us. Yes. Yet. Oh man. There's a, uh... There's some, like, I feel like there was, like, a Reddit thread about it, like, years ago, about things that we just accept as so commonplace in our society that there's no reason anyone would ever explain it as a thing. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Have we talked about this before? It's about eggs, right? Like, defaulting to chicken eggs, whereas we never actually say chicken eggs? Am I making Uh, this up? Yes. This sounds vaguely... Wait, did you say yes as in yes, she's making it up? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if we have talked about it specifically on this podcast, but this is a thing that I, okay. I believe you and Sam are referring to the same thing. The other example that was given in, I believe, in that thread uh, was that um, I think it was, it, was, it might have been medieval. It might have been more recent than that. Uh, but uh, condiments that would be set out on tables uh, were salt, pepper, and a third condiment. And we have oh. no idea what it was. We have for sure talked about this. I remember yeah. chatting. Um, <laughs> and my example was um, us not being able to figure out why we had the recipes for how ancient Romans made concrete. And we were like, why is our concrete not nearly as good as theirs? And it's because they just said water in the instructions and they were specifically using salt water and we were not. And we were like, Oh, it turns out the salt is very important for making the concrete strong. We finally figured it out, but now the recipes actually specified what kind of water to use in your concrete. <laughs> well, credit where credit's due. If I remember right, we talked about this in, like, well. Like, yeah, it's been a, a long, long time, oh, no, time I'm, ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we brought it back up because I had forgotten about the condiment thing, and now I just get to imagine this mystery shaker on the <laughs> table. <laughs> According to Blue's Clues, it's definitely paprika. Obviously. Uh, so yeah, we we have some sort of very powerful thing that uh, a lot of the myths talk about, and nobody really knows what it is. Maybe we'll see uh, if we can figure that out. At least by the time that we get to the novella called Dawn Shard, that's in like seven books. <laughs> uh, in the the chapter proper, uh, we have made lots of jokes about Shalon wanting to watch Yasna bathe, uh, and this is the first time it has actually happened on the page. And it just sounds really relaxing. Yeah, this bathhouse sounds dope. <laughs> She's been working all day. Carbronth has actual, like, indoor plumbing with heat and cool. And she just gets to have a bath, and it sounds wonderful. I also, I gotta say, Brandon, you can't say you didn't see this coming it's literally a bath. Yasna is naked. And as Shalon is like scrubbing her off, Yasna goes, you know, you're so cooped up. You should have a more hands-on experience. Something more visceral. <laughs> it's like, Brandon, this is, I, I see what you're doing. I don't know how you don't see what you're doing. And then she goes and kills people. And she murders people. <laughs> That's why Shalon was so upset about it. Because she was expecting something much different. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, while the the time is passing, Shalon is is continuing her studies. Uh, this particular book is a uh, some of uh, Gavilar's. It's not like it's not quite a diary. It's actually like set down as a uh, like a, an official record. Uh, but this is Gavilar Colin talking about his expeditions uh, into 
what is now the Shattered Plains. Uh, and there's some some interesting uh, commentary. Uh, I know I've mentioned the undertext before, and here's where we actually talk about it on page, uh, because this was not uh, physically written by uh, Gavilar. It was actually written by Yasna, uh, because Yasna can write and Gavilar can't. And Yasna has annotated this book with some some extra details, uh, which apparently sometimes even just like say that the main text is wrong. So Shalon gets to have both the the kind of firsthand account and Yasna's commentary on it. Yeah, there's a really cool detail that I think probably happens in a lot of like, here's this thing I studied and here are my notes on it, where Yasna clarifies like. You know, when he first found this out, he didn't realize it was that important. It wasn't until later that he was like, oh, that was super exceptional. And then the added comments of like, that's not to say he was being dumb. It's just like, wasn't his specialty. And I'm just kind of like writing it in a very streamlined way to make it easier to process all this information. And that was a really nice attention to detail of how texts like this be get written. It's also just kind of briefly funny to me that uh, Shalon remarks that the Palinaeum has probably several copies of this book. Uh, but she's not allowed to bring them into the bath because they're library books and you don't do that. But Yasna also happens to have a copy because she wrote it. And so that's what uh, what Shalon is actually studying from. And then we get uh, we get the info drop. Do we get that right away or is this the first mention that Yasna is naked? I think it's been, <laughs> it's been implied and then it gets very directly said. <laughs> very directly. Yasna's naked, y'all. Yeah, it mentions right away that that she is in the bath, but uh, yeah, she is she's having a bath, and it sounds it sounds very nice. As somebody who likes to just sit in the shower and exist, this sounds wonderful. I was gonna say 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 whatever you will about the necessity of having a bathing scene in the book. One, I agree, just sounds relaxing. Two, I would be way more concerned if she was clothed in the yeah. bath. I would have way more questions about that. <laughs> and there, there's an opportunity here for the, the task at hand. Uh, Yasna's soulcaster is sitting right there. And, and Shalon is like, this is, you know, this is the moment of, can I, like, here's my opportunity. And the, the first time around, she can't do it. She has, she, she's kind of going back through, Yasna has, has really actually been helping her in her life now, and she, uh, she can't grab it. Which is weird, because it wouldn't be the first time she betrayed someone who trusted her. What, oh, what does geez. that mean? What does that Ooh, mean? What could it mean? Anyway. Shalon is really good at not talking about things. She is. She's <laughs> quite skilled. Uh, instead, though, we're going to have a, uh, a scholarly discussion uh, because Shalon has been has been going over these these records of when Gavilar first met the Parshendi, uh, and is is trying to figure figure out what was going on there. Uh, and I, I like that there's this kind of like Yasna is still trying to to teach her. Shalon asks why why did Gavilar try to make a treaty. And and Yasna says, why not? It's, treaties can be good to make. And, and says, you need to ask a more useful question. So 
what the there's a there's a theory here you know this is this is nothing certain gavilar has been dead for years and can't confirm this uh but the the thing that shallan thinks that it comes down to is uh if there's a treaty then there must have been something that was that was exchanged and shallan thinks that it involved uh it involved shards there's something that is is notable enough and powerful enough that it would have been uh definitely a concern for gavilar uh, in the in the time that he was in yeah this would not be a great treaty for the barshendi though this it reads like um what like 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 19th century treaties with south america or something where it's just like we get everything that you make and in exchange we'll install a new leader for you yeah it it does seem quite uh quite skewed at least from like from the modern perspective there's some commentary on how like the uh, the gem hearts and the chasm fiends are also part of this this exchange, and the Parshendi don't seem to mind about that at all because there's more than enough of them to hunt. Although that seems to be changing in the current day. So yeah, it, it's uh, still not quite sure what that that treaty actually ends up with for both sides here. All I know is there's a point in this conversation where Yasna says, "I realize that the answers seem slow in coming, but continue your research; you will have them eventually." which I feel like was Brandon directly attacking me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might be right. Uh, a thing that Yasna doesn't have a, a good answer on, which I don't think we've seen anybody who does, is why did the Parshendi kill him then? You know, that's that's kind of been the question for years at this point. And, uh, and now I mean, Yasna doesn't doesn't give an answer, which Shalon is also realizing maybe because she wants Shalon to come up with an answer herself. But also it sounds like Yasna isn't isn't sure either. Yeah, I think we like in prior studies of this, it was mentioned that like the jury's still out. Like there's mm -hmm. multiple sides to it. But just from reading this, I feel like it's probably because they read the treaty. <laughs> I mean it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's as good of a theory as any as we got that sounds reasonable to me like they handed the, the treaty to a lawyer and he went oh what the fuck is this yeah <laughs> who wrote this you should kill that guy <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually after this conversation is when Shalon directly has her, her moment of, of confrontation with herself of I can steal the soulcaster right now it's a perfect time I, I like this now too much i don't want to give this away uh, and so I, I can't do it but yasna compliments her <gasps> my weakness <laughs> i mean <laughs> it kind of is it really is yeah uh, yasna can tell that uh shallan is a bit anxious right now uh, does not seem to know the the actual cause uh, but you know there's other reasons that that one can be anxious after spending so long at work and uh yasna does suggest some uh, some hands-on study uh then clarifies hands-on study in the field of philosophy which shallan finds quite strange of an idea <laughs> yeah it's gonna be boring 
nothing exciting for for the rest of this chapter at all just a nice walk at night down an alley in the Mm. worst part of town carrying (laughs) very visible very expensive valuables anyway yeah let's uh, let's let's see what we have going on here because uh there there's a uh shalon is getting a little frustrated with can you at least give me some sort of of answers like i i can't just i can't sit here and wonder something and then have you say i don't know why don't you figure it out every time so i i i i'd like some some advice and uh yasna says okay let's let's have a field exercise let's let's go see let's do some hands-on philosophy and uh yeah they they get dressed they head out into carbranth at night uh it is it's a big city it's still quite lively at night and there's there's some parts of it which are you know exciting and and fun still at night and then they they keep going where uh, they end up in a a particularly unpleasant kind of section of town, the theater district. Yes, they're they're on the way to the theater district. <laughs> Those theater people, I tell you what, <laughs> degenerates, all of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as as they are in this very uh, very kind of sketchy looking part of town, uh, Yasna is. Uh, wearing the uh, the soulcaster with its large glowing gemstones, and Shalon thinks this is a very bad idea, uh, and Yasna says it is a very bad idea. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> the the build up and atmosphere here is is I very much enjoy it. Like things are you know Shalon's kind of having a anxious moment but things are totally mostly fine and then they're like going through the city and we've we've heard of Carbranth as this sort of like warm lovely lively place and then the just complete tone shift here uh, is is very delicious and just how Yasna is continuing to walk and seemingly not caring about their surroundings and just lecturing as she goes it's so unsettling I enjoy it yeah, just a slowly increasing kind of drum roll until something. I don't know if we're ready to go to what happens. <laughs> no, I I think we can. Like it is kind of the defining moment of this chapter is, uh, as as Shalon seemed to kind of expect, given what they were, given what Yasna was doing, what kind of, I guess, trouble she was inviting. Uh this this area yasna says there's been a, a number of uh of kind of bandit attacks and teravangian hasn't been doing anything about it and yeah these these two light-eyed women by themselves in the middle of the night carrying valuables uh a group of men show up to uh threaten them rob them assault them possibly more and Yasna takes her soulcaster, uh, soulcasts one of them into fire, another into crystal, and then just kind of lightning bolts the other two. Wow. Uh, my notes on this passage are Yasna becomes Batman and leads Shalon directly to Crime Alley, 
and then some notes on i guess that's how soul casting works and then definitely more killing than batman yeah <laughs> yeah or let's use the word here <laughs> this is fucking murder the two guys the two guys at the end is murder i feel like the first two guys maybe you could say that's like manslaughter you know like uh, like you got yourself into this situation on purpose but the two guys who are running away that's murder <laughs> that's bad <laughs> yeah th- this uh this chapter we've had a like this this is a a fantasy book that usually involves some sort of of people fighting each other and we've had plenty of that Kaladin isn't doing the fighting, but it's all around him. Dalinar is doing the fighting. We've had, you know, lots of that in these other two chapters. Uh, it is now suddenly and rapidly introduced to the Shalon and Yasna chapter, and it's it's a hell of a moment. Yeah, and I think it's it's just a very good discussion of philosophy because like i do kind of agree with sam of like yeah killing the two people running away supremely fucked up the first two it's like they were attacking like that that could be like that's basically self-defense but it's also weird that like yasna was intentionally going there to get hurt but also Mm -hmm. like as the as the later chapters point out like she was also doing it because these people were evil and she was stopping evil people and is that all that different from going and killing a ton of parshendi because they killed our king it's i it's it does a very good job like diasna's credit this is a very good philosophical question philosophical question that shalon has to think about in terms of like hey yeah that was pretty fucked up but how fucked up because because there is kind of a gray area in some of in in some aspects of this that i think is really interesting yeah, I was I was just talking to my roommate about this before we started recording. Normally, we use the turn of phrase, they're very morally gray, um, to excuse the actions of, of objectively bad people if they're hot. But this is actually like a very morally gray situation. <laughs> like, I it's it's a very good question, and also Yasna's pretty hot, so that ties in well to the bit. Like, it's just very morally gray overall. <laughs> morally gray parentheses actual <laughs> yes <laughs> and i think one of the interesting things is that one of the things that is bothering because shallan is is very disturbed by this and one of the things that is is most affecting her is the the entire like premeditated chain of events where mm-hmm. it certainly seems that Yasna was having this conversation while bathing and they got on this this topic of you know, philosophy and do you do you need to find the answers for yourself or can you ask someone else for the answers and Yasna just decided for herself I know how I'll prove this point to Shalon I'm gonna go kill some people like what the hell is that yeah. <laughs> well. it's bad but also, it's like, Yasna also brings up a really good point of like, yes, the intention was I want to go kill people. But she literally just walked down an alley and got attacked and then killed the people that were attacking her. And right. like to, to say yeah. that she is fully responsible, like to call that 
again, there's, I think there is a, a distinction between the first two guys and the, set, the the other two guys. But to call that murder almost adds a weird amount of victim blaming on right, it. Of, exactly. Like, she didn't do yeah. anything until she got attacked. So, but but does it change it if she was doing it because she wanted to get attacked? It's it's fascinating. It's it's incredible. Yeah, that's the exact sentence that like through the like whatever opinions I was formally holding about the whole situation the like concept of but you were asking for it just completely threw all that off its axis of like yeah no actually think about that sentence that's a fucked sentence i didn't right. do anything but yeah. also she did go into crime alley like oh it's so good i can be the heel here i i mean there's a difference like she knew intentionally that th- like not just not just dark alleys in Carbronth, but this dark alley in Carbronth at this time, these number of people will attack me. <laughs> she went there. I mean, it's not. It's not. I, I don't know. I, I just. I am predisposed to to dislike in this book um nobility apparently and also just in the in the whole world i'm predisposed to dislike the bourgeoisie so there but uh yeah hey everybody fuck ellen venture that's that's yeah. the real <laughs> point of this whole episode that's no. right literally we can't keep doing this yeah but um i don't know i don't like it it makes me feel gross yeah it I, I, yeah, I don't expect yeah. us to come to any conclusions. And I also, like, I, this is, I, I kind of feel similar of like, I feel gross. Like, my logic brain is starting to work through it and, like, come to see good aspects in what happened. And then you flip back and read about four people dying and it feels gross. <laughs> like, it's very complicated. This is why I love, like, the horror genre, because it's a very similar feeling of seeing something and being, like, the person next to me like, oh, that's so fucked up, I don't like that, and me going, yeah, I know, right? Isn't that great? Yeah, it's fucked up! (laughs) And you grab a huge handful of popcorn and just... yeah, (laughs) Like that one gif. Is it Michael Jackson? It's just like, it's Michael Michael Jackson. Jackson. It is Michael Jackson, yeah. Yeah. So, the, the, the last bit of this chapter, it goes by real quick, which is kind of by design, because after what seems to be days or weeks of, of internal debate of, can I, can I steal from Yasta after everything she's done for me? Suddenly, just a, a single moment later, uh, Shalon thinks... How dare Yasna do this? How dare she involve me in this? She doesn't deserve that soulcaster, and it's done. In in just a couple of lines, Shalon has done the thing, has has stolen the soulcaster, and now just needs to wait and watch and try to get out of here. Yeah, there's a very good detail of like I was I mean I was like a little emotionally like riled up from the chapter, but not in the same way as Shalon was. And then she noticed that the the smoke stone had been broken and that he also took it off. And then Shalon remembered to take it off of her decoy as well. And I was like, oh, I don't think I would have thought of that if I was in her shoes. That was really smart. Yeah. 
<laughs> this is this is something I bring up in my predictions section, but um, it's stupid and short, and it kind of ends with one sentence. Um, but I just think it would be really funny if like Yasna like fixes Shalan's broken soulcaster. I like, also a... was thinking that might happen. Yeah, but in oh. like, but but in a this is not broken. It needs to be reloaded. Way right. There was never anything wrong with it. She just couldn't figure <laughs> out. You got to put in another magazine. <laughs> but uh, speaking of, of predictions, this was just a thrown dart from you, Sam. Yeah, I oh, know. Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm really, I'm really getting good at like the lob shots here. Like this is, <laughs> it's just the next thing. Okay. Yeah, th- this was another one where, uh, as you were going through last episode's. Uh, uh, prediction section uh, I just wrote the lesson on the prediction sheet because yeah that's what we saw yeah, <laughs> yeah I I guess yeah it's it's fucked up <laughs> I don't know we needed I, I what I thought and am starting to con- like be confirmed in this I think that Shalon is motivated by shame and like she can't steal something if she's like vaguely proud of the person that she needs to steal it from. And we'll cover that in, in predictions because there's more, <laughs> there's more happening. Okay. It's like, Oh yeah, now that's true. Well, guess what motherfucker. Now here's another conclusion. <laughs> like, like monkey bars. Okay. We are going to get a, uh, a second Chalon chapter. There will be our only kind of double up of this section. So we'll, We'll have some more to look at there, but uh, we have a couple other things to get through first, uh, including uh, a a page of sketches. A that full page are, illustration. It is a full page illustration, uh, including some of the things that uh, Shalon has just been kind of tinkering with that are kind of wildly tonally different from what she just experienced, but that's just kind of how Shalon's evening went. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I, I expected to find Kremlings cute. And I also find a lot of bugs cute. I don't know about these guys, honestly. I, I kind of like the, the guy with the little crab claws on the left. The guy on the right looks too much like a house centipede, which is like the one bug I'm like, no, immediately no. Look at all <laughs> them legs. Yeah. I would prefer not to. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this sketch page is the question mark after shale snail. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I get the sense that she's just making up terms here. <laughs> I do love that little guy, though. That's a good little guy. Oh, a snail's great. It'd be great if there was just an arrow pointing to it. <laughs> and Chalan's little notes, like, I love this little guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm in agreement, Caleb, on definitely preferring the uh, the big pinchers guy to the uh, the legs guy. Yeah. I do like their eyes. Honestly, the eyes are still cute to me. <laughs> Our next chapter, uh, Caleb, like you mentioned, we are we're getting back to to Kaladin after his uh, dramatic moments earlier, uh, but we're getting back to flashback Kaladin. So not quite uh, not quite what we were looking for there. Yeah, and as I've often thought, for the flashback chapters, got this one and went, all right, this is going to be kind of a boring one, uh, and then I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's also like 
most of it, the subject matter is a lot more calm than everything else that's happening around it. Like we have we have some fun interactions with Kaladin and his family. Uh, we have a dinner party, which is just Rashon and everybody involved with him being awful. And and then we learn some interesting things at the end. So let's uh, let's take a look through here. <laughs> Tien is marveling at a rock. He does yeah. do this, doesn't he? Hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, did we talk about last episode that he's like, or no, it wasn't him. It was Renarin. Um, Renarin. Renarin, yeah. What's going on here? He's 13. I liked rocks when I was 13. <laughs> I'm all for it, but he's getting he's getting a little old to be into the 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 fire truck thing, you know. Yeah, uh Cal notes that uh Tien has gone from being an eager boy to an eager adolescent. A lad, you could say. <laughs> I think I, I don't think there's anything like like medically developmental happening here. I think Brandon is just trying to make this the cutest damn younger brother you've ever seen. He's yeah. small for his age. He's excited. He loves rocks. Let's go. <laughs> to make whatever fucked up thing happens to him that Cal is so sad about a more fucked up. It's Great. probably fine. Don't worry about that. Look at this God, rock. Dude. We've got five <laughs> and a half years fine. still to go. Uh-huh. It'd be very funny if the big revelation is like Tien ro- lost his rock collection and Kaladin was devastated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tien's last words were, whoa, Cal, look at that really big rock. And then <laughs> fell on him. Oh, no. You've, you've made this awful. Destroyed by the very thing he loved. <laughs> He went, to, he went to one of those national parks with the rocks that are, like, balancing on a single point. <laughs> he, he was like, let me try and take this home, and he pulled on it, and it just... He died doing oh. what he loved. And then his dad got fined for, for, for vandalism. <laughs> oh, we'll get to him later. We'll, we'll get to Liren later. <laughs> Hey, I'm vibing with Cal this chapter because first page has Spren can't live in everything followed by I just want everything to make sense particularly yeah. about the Spren. Yeah, uh, Kaladin is, is definitely a, a little he, he's looking at this a little too much analytically I think uh, which is, you know, the point of this podcast. That's a subtweet if I've ever heard one, Justin. <laughs> And uh, Hesina is is very patiently uh, going through. Yeah, of course, everything has a spren. Yeah, if you cut it up, it still has a spren. Now each part has a spren. Yes, dung has a spren. Even even that. Yeah, Kel Kel needs some answers and uh, is is not getting them here. I I do like Hesina's response of, oh, all you want is for everything to make sense. Okay, we'll get right on that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Kel's got some chores to do. There's there's dinner being prepared. He's uh, he's outside, you know, chopping some food, uh, and sees uh, sees Liren there. Liren is uh, getting ready to go somewhere apparently, and in just a, a momentary decision, Cal says, "I'm going with," and and runs off with to to go, just kind of insert himself into this situation. <laughs> Uh, apparently some of this this dinner preparation was 
specifically designed to keep Cal from inserting himself into this situation, but uh, that didn't work, and he is he is now involved. But yeah, the the trip is up to uh, Rashon's Manor. There's uh, there's going to be some sort of confrontation here between Liren and Rashon, and Cal wants to be involved in it, and and Liren is trying to caution him and saying this will not be a a pleasant meeting, but uh, Cal does not want to kind of leave his his father behind in this particular scenario. There's a a discussion that they have uh, on the way there as they're they're riding there. Uh, that Liren is, is, I get the sense that he's kind of mostly just thinking to himself here, uh, where he says he wasn't sure if he was going to go talk to Rishon today, and that one of the other options is to just leave, just move the whole family. He's a, he's a surgeon that's a very valuable occupation. He could almost certainly find somewhere else to work, and they could, uh, they could just kind of solve all those problems. But, uh, Liren thought about it, really did, and realized that the people of Hearthstone, uh, he thinks, are in some way his responsibility, even if Rashon isn't going to treat them that way. He's he's on this this idea of kind of somebody has to to do the right thing, and that's going to be him. So he's going to try to stay, going to try to talk to Rashon and see what happens. Taking a clear stand, all you know, bully for him, but. He's doing his best. Uh... Oh fuck! The uh, guy from uh, uh, well, who ate and told the three lies. Oh, set. Uh, set. Set. He's doing his best set impression with this eating and everything when <laughs> when is, they arrive. What is set? Ashweather Ash set. Ashweather set. Oh Ascension. fucking the books that we read and love. Yep, those. He doesn't exist in in this in uh, Roshar. Yeah, I'm very focused and not forgetful at all. I, I my brain defaulted to S E T, so I was like, a set <laughs> of what? <laughs> Are we talking about ancient Egypt here? Or... Yeah. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will admit the majority of this this dinner interaction both at the table with Rashon and Liren and then also when Cal uh, goes off to to the kitchen during this conversation uh, I definitely kind of go through this at uh, at a brisk pace when I'm rereading just because it's just unpleasant I don't like Rashon I don't like his kid <laughs> I like I like set more um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, I know he's not gonna beat out Sidious, but Rillier is that the kid's name? Mm-hmm. Really, really tries his 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 damnedest to become the fucker of the book, real quick, real quick. <laughs> he's trying to yeah. impress a girl. I guess there's some motivation. I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's just his life. He's just rich. Ugh. We have to talk about uh, Roshon and his Eden. He do be Sorry, Eden. scrambled us. <laughs> yeah, there is a uh, there. There is uh, quite the the meal being served here, and Roshon is just kind of the fact that there is a meeting taking place is kind of a secondary event here 
to Rishon's dinner. So yeah, the uh, the the matter of discussion at this uh, at this meeting is the uh, the spheres that were Bright Lord Wistios and uh, were were willed to Liren and his family uh, for for Kaladin's education. Uh, Rishon very much wants them and is willing to make things very unpleasant for Liren about that. Uh, and uh, Liren is is attempting to to stand his ground and and say, uh, no, there were there were documents prepared. The, these are legally mine, and and you can't do anything about them. I like Liren kind of takes him the fuck down every at every corner here. <laughs> it kind of leaves Roshon without a leg to stand on, and like at least to his credit, Roshon admits you'd win the inquest. Mm-hmm. I like there's not. I, Rashun basically I all say? but says, "I'm going to win this by bullying you into it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is funny they try to be a bully, and it keeps going like, "I could do this," and Liren says, "No, you can't." And Rashun goes, "Yeah, I know, but I could do this." And Liren's like, "I don't think you're going to do that." Yeah, you're right, but I'm <laughs> going to starve you to death. Oh, uh, and also, um, the real kicker here, the real like twist of it is something that we didn't mention which is that even though people don't pay Liren and co with spheres they pay with food yeah, yeah they are being nice so they're eaten yeah the uh the the townsfolk of hearthstone even though apparently the the, the kind of command is that uh if the surgeon won't charge then the surgeon doesn't get paid uh, they have they have been kind of surreptitiously dropping off supplies and whatnot to keep Cal and his family at least at least doing okay, if not great. So yeah, even even as Rashon is basically trying to starve them out, there's even at least for now. Well, you know, we we don't know if this will continue or if this will be there will be more pressure. Uh, but the the same people who a couple of flashbacks ago were willing to rob Liren in the middle of the night are, are still keeping him fed. Uh, at one point, uh, Rashon makes a, uh, a generous offer in his mind uh, that he will take back 90% of, of Wistio's former fortune and Liren can keep the, the remaining 10%. And that, that will be, that will be sufficient for for whatever they need. And Cal is is very angry about this, and at this point is when Liren says, "Why don't you go to the kitchen get something to eat?" Uh, and Rashon and I will continue this discussion here. Which Cal is is still a, a, a young teenager at this point, and is getting angry about things, and maybe uh, is slightly more passionate than is necessary at this moment but i also don't blame him because rishon is an asshole <laughs> yeah and it's just it's just kind of a mini humiliation conga line <laughs> the next 10-15 minutes it sucks yeah cow has a bad time it gets worse and worse <laughs> it's it's like a nightmare like almost literally it's like a nightmare yeah for the rest of this chapter <laughs> 
I might give away our money, go to the kids' table, they'll take one look at you and make you eat kids' food, and then this shitty guy will show up with the girl you kind of, sort of like, and will dunk on you. Also, And she goes along with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, to Kayla's point, that's not even the kicker of the chapter. Wait for it. (laughs) There's there's so much. We'll get there. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and and jumping back like a paragraph, not long at all. Cal says um, he's almost intimidated by his gaze, but he's not a real light eyes. Light eyes are men of honor, like Amaram and Sadia's. Uh... Wait, shit! <laughs> Can't wait to meet him. My sweet summer child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think this uh, the part in the the kitchen with. Relier and and Laral, I think, is my least favorite part of this chapter. It just, yeah. just it's just Cal getting bullied. Literally, yeah. <laughs> like like dictionary definition, high school bullied here. Yeah, no, like middle school. This is like no, <laughs> not middle juvenile. school. <laughs> so yeah, that uh, that's not a not a good experience, and. Uh, Cal just just has to leave, uh, and it turns out that uh, that uh, Liren is also on the way out, having concluded his his part of the meeting. Uh, so the two of them get to leave and kind of talk some things over. Uh, and Cal's first uh, reaction is, "I want to be a surgeon," which Liren says, "Yes, that's what you've been training <laughs> for for years." Uh, and Cal has to explain that uh, he's he's had some doubt recently and was thinking of maybe running away to join the army. And and but now he's decided that uh, he he wants to be uh, he, he wants to train to be a surgeon uh, because he wants to figure out uh, he, he, he wants to figure out how light eyes work and how they they do all these kind of tricks and then he will be able to to do something about that. Uh, there is a point, sorry, just to go back another paragraph. There was one particular line of dialogue that stuck out to me where Liren says, you didn't eat your food, you should have, it was free, which hits so hard, like knowing that they're struggling financially, the parents saying, hey, that was free food and you should have eaten it. Like that feels really real in a really uncomfortable way. Yeah. But yeah, we hear from from Liren how the rest of of that conversation went uh and and Cal is Cal is not hopeful about this he's asking you know how much how much did we have to give up uh, and and Liren says well I didn't give him anything I we we argued for a while I pretended to be upset about it and then I just left and and Cal now has to kind of reevaluate this whole thing when Liren says well I pretended to get mad and and Cal realizes that this was Liren was playing a part here and doing it very well. He he says, I, I I'm gonna give Rashon a little bit of of feeling that he's wearing us down, uh, but I left before he got to actually make any more demands. We're still being fed. It's not great, but we are being fed by the the town, the people of the town, and we can keep this up long enough. And uh, eventually, Rishon will stop looking. 
at which point uh, Kaladin has an uncomfortable realization of stop looking at what? Stop looking at the fact that they actually did steal the spheres? And that really changes some things, doesn't it? Hmm. Uh, last episode, I think, Justin, you were saying, like, yeah, Liren is a fascinating character. At the time, I was like, he's an interesting character. I don't know if he's fascinating. <laughs> he's fascinating now. Liren is yeah, so interesting. <laughs> but it's it's very, like, the way that he explains it is, like, Gustiao was not lucid in his final days, and he, pro like... From what Kaladin knows and has implied of Wistiao, seems like he probably would have willed him. Right. It, it, that's what Liren goes over. He says, you were going to marry Laurel. That was going to be, like, that was going to improve your standing and your, your financial success and all that. Without that happening, Wistiao was was planning to to give these to us. Like, that that was was going to happen. And so if I just adjusted a few things as as he wasn't in in a right mind to do so, what's the difference? It's it's another morally gray thing of like that feels wrong. But also, like I I get I get why it doesn't like I, yeah. I don't know how to feel about it. And especially after we've seen what a huge dick Rashon is. I'm like Right. Well, I like that you don't have them because you suck. But did did Kaladin's family get them in a cool way? Does that make it okay? I don't know. There was a really cool, uh, like, as soon as I got the realization, I didn't see it coming. But I thought back to a line of dialogue that I thought was strange when they're getting robbed. Um, because they're like, those spheres don't belong to you. And Liren does not respond, yes, they do. He responds, oh, does that mean that they belong to you? And I remember clocking that being like, that was a weird mm -hmm. first initial reaction. And now like that that clicks in, in a way that makes a lot more sense. It's it's really interesting. Well, I, it, it didn't, at the time, I think you're right. I think it is like a breadcrumb. But at the time, it didn't click for me because Liren is very obviously rhetorically skilled with what we saw with him wiping the floor with Rashon here. <laughs> um, so it kind of puts them on the back foot. Like they're expecting him to say, yes, it does. Right. That's an easy thing to argue about, but it, it it's a lot harder to react to, but they're not yours. You don't have any right to them to come take them from me. But it's, but again, it's also, it, it also avoids Liren telling the explicit lie of yes they are they're mine listen son Wistia and i talked about we were gonna get the notaries out to notarize the will <laughs> but this fucking thalen merchant was hogging all the <laughs> hogging all the notaries <laughs> there were none available <laughs> there were none available they were all notarizing metal Scrap metal. <laughs> That's it. He wasn't he, he wasn't even in the region. They got called away way out west. I don't know why they were doing <laughs> over there. But as we uh, as we wrap this this chapter up, uh, Cal reaffirms that he he does want to to study to become a surgeon. Uh, Liren does have some questions about his motivation here. He says, "You're going to become a surgeon." 
so that you can help people and save their lives. That's the point. But uh, Cal has has his reasons, and they're they're at least something that he is very uh, passionate about here. Uh, and he also says, and this is something that I've been very loose on, uh, but there has been a, a differentiation between uh, present-day Kaladin and, as he was known when he was young, Cal. Uh, and he says, I, I want to go by Kaladin. It, it's, I think it's more right for me now. And, and Liren says, very well. I love that little detail. I, It's a hyper-specific thing that I love in books, but just like tracking what names people use to refer to others and themselves and how that shifts being another subtle detail of characterization this is a more on the nose example of it but mm, it's always so good yeah also i'm really glad that i that i remember the name of james cromwell because i think i nailed that i fucking i like every sentence was like that is something james cromwell would excel at hell yes that'll do kaladin that'll do kaladin (laughs) all right uh with that interesting change in perspective uh past let's uh let's check in with present day kaladin who is essentially in a coma i'm sure we'll get answers yeah, great, great, uh, great opportunity for answers. Uh, our epigraph here, uh, the the note uh, is some uh, remarks on the the authenticity of this particular source and a a desire to uh, find the original source and retranslate it because this translation may be questionable. Uh, interesting bit about I didn't clock that I didn't write in my notes, but interesting bit about that is you don't leave that in a final edition. So I think we might be reading like a draft. Yeah, the the perhaps I will go retranslate this. It's a little drafty. Yeah. yeah. The first section of this chapter, because we do have a couple of different parts here, uh, is a a very interesting perspective of Kaladin kind of semi lucidly diagnosing himself. Because he is he he's barely aware of his surroundings. He's partially aware of the condition of his own body and these these lessons that he's learned long ago, these kind of instincts are telling him that it's not good. He's in extremely bad shape. And it, it's really I think it's really cool to get his own perspective on that as as twisted as it is. Yeah. It's very cool. And I also, I think on his first bridge run, I talked about this. Brandon does such a good job of um, writing someone who is not quite coherent. I love the paragraph of like, he sees that he's in a big warehouse and there's corpses around him. And Mm -hmm. then he just thinks these corpses are for sale and nothing he actually saw told him these are for sale. It's literally just like when you're dreaming, when you're having a nightmare, your brain will just like reach a, con- a random conclusion and the rest of the dream will be like, yeah, you were right. Let's build off of that. That's what that was. And I think that's fascinating. Like there's, there's nothing that indicates they're up for sale, but that's just what his brain thinks. And now he's thinking about Sidious and what does that mean for Bridgman? Like it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I was, I was going to call it the same passage. I think my favorite part is 
is where, like you said, where it goes from there is there's corpses for sale. Why are there corpses for sale? Who buys corpses? Sadius buys corpses. They're not dead yet, but they're corpses nonetheless. He throws them at the bridges. It's it's such a just a weird meandering thing that also totally makes sense if you're looking at it just a little bit fuzzily. Yeah. Yeah. He does give a weird amount of focus to Dillette, which is like, well, like we also get Goshell, which I don't think we've even heard that name before, but like Tien mentioned briefly, Goshell mentioned briefly, Parrots mentioned briefly, and Dillette's dear Dillette. It's like, all right, yeah, okay, I'm sh- we'll probably get more flashbacks, <laughs> but I didn't expect that to be the one that gets the double up. Uh, Goshell has about a, uh, a, a three-sentence Coppermind article, though we actually will learn a little bit more about him this book we'll, we'll learn what actually that meant Goshell was a man that Kaladin also failed he is dead <laughs> but then the uh, the other uh, the other part of this scene that I, I really love is uh, it starts with the fact that Kaladin can see Deathspren which are a, a spren that people do seem to know exist but that you only see them when you are actively dying. So that's a terrible sign. Uh, and the Deathspren are kind of like trying to uh, to like crawl around him, uh, but they're being fought off by this tiny little glowing figure. And I love Syl standing there fighting away the Deathspren as, as Cal is trying to recover. Hell yeah. I've given a lot of shit to the Spren over these past 10 or 12 episodes. That's rad as hell. I love that. Yeah. There's also a really cool... He he compares her to a warrior from a forgotten time, which is really cool because we've also gotten a flashback from a different character watching the Knight's Radiant fight off these black amorphous monsters. Um, So that feels like a really interesting thematic tie. It's very cool. Yeah. I also had to double check this going back real quick to the uh the the people who who Kaladin is remembering. Uh we actually have met uh Dalit. He No, I know in, who Dalit is. Yeah. yeah. He he is in in chapter 1, he is the the squad like second in command. Yeah. So with with Kaladin not in uh not in any shape to continue narrating this chapter. Uh, we are going to we're going to shift to Teft, who I think has gotten the most POV chapters or sections of chapters outside of people who are actually named on the 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 parts. Yeah, this is either two or three at this point. Mm-hmm. And Teft is Teft is keeping an eye on. Uh, on Kaladin and on on all of the the wounded here, uh, though the the other ones are are up and about, thanks to Kaladin, thanks to the the work that he did. But uh, Kaladin here, he says they they had Bridgefort had been allowed to to take him down from where he was hung in the storm, uh, which even that is like kind of questionable on if that was even allowed, but nobody stopped them because it was such a, a an unforeseen occurrence. And 
they can't really do a lot. If they push too much, then Sadius is probably going to come down on them. But Kaladin is is still alive somehow, just barely, and they're going to try to to keep him that way. Yeah, it's a very cool vibe of I know the later seasons of Game of Thrones were not very good. There is a very cool scene with a standoff with a character's body, and they're like some of them are guarding the body, and other ones are like, "We gotta burn it," and they're like, "No, no, no, we can't burn it yet." Um, that was really it. Reminded me a lot of this of of Kaladin's crew um, holding Titan and looking after him. There is a weird line of Teft thinking, what's worse, being sick near to death or having to stay all the way back here away from the light? Now, light is nice, Teft. One of those is much worse than the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a, there's basically a, a 24-7 watch on on Cal uh, with various members of, of Bridge 4 here. Uh, Scar is the one currently here and Teft trades off with him, says, hey, go get some food. And now that it's just the two of them, Teft is just going to kind of vent some things to a, a person who can't respond uh, because he has some things that he's working through. Uh, he says, why here? Why now? Uh, and we don't get a lot of explanation. We get a mention of the Invisigers, uh, which is uh, also the, the chapter title. So that's an interesting thing. Teft is for a moment he's he's genuinely upset with Kaladin he's he says you you come here you give us hope and then you leave how dare you and the 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 one thing that he wants to try just just to be sure just to kind of clear his head uh is he's brought some infused spheres that he leaves there with Kaladin and for a moment nothing happens which is kind of what he expected uh, and and says well of of course you're just a you're a fool too what did you expect and then kaladin draws in some stormlight and teft can visibly see him healing because of it and that also changes things though we don't know nearly as well what this changes at the end of this chapter uh but this is uh this is perhaps another turning point. We just haven't seen where it's going yet. Yeah, very cool. I gotta say, Teft pulls out three diamond spheres. And I was like, Brandon, you can't use the phrase three diamond and have it be completely unrelated to the other big three diamond logo you brought up three <laughs> chapters ago. I was like, I I saw the words three diamonds together. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, it's just, okay. It's, it's normal spheres. Okay, it's, cool. It's great. money. It's, it's nothing. <laughs> But yeah, we we have this we have this moment. We have Teft kind of shocked and not sure what he's going to do next. Uh, and he says the the Invisigers were gone. Uh, Teft gets in on the action of saying something mysterious and not explaining it to us, <laughs> uh, where he says the Invisigers were dead because of what he'd done. No comment. Uh, but that the only thing that he can do now in this circumstance is to keep it quiet until he can figure out what to do. Yeah, it's a... I don't know where the line is between like, ooh, this is an interesting use of perspective hopping to get these little snippets of thought of like, because of what he had done, but I'm not going to think about what I had done because I know, but you the reader don't need to know, so I'm just going to move on. That's interesting. 
and that's it's infuriating. Brandon, please, tell me anything. <laughs> but yeah, we will. We'll have to wait until our next section at least uh, to maybe try to get some answers from Kaladin himself. Uh, for our last chapter of the section, we get back to Shalon, who we, we've kind of had three back-to-back chapters of uh, significant revelations for a character. Uh, in this episode, at least, Shalon is the only one who gets another chapter to actually process that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, at least. Our uh, epigraph here uh, is a... Uh, a note about uh, this this person. I had to double check. I think that's a V at the end with the the italic font. I also could not tell. Uh, <laughs> Alazarv, yeah, yeah. yeah, Alazarv, who was was there within a heartbeat, uh, crossing a distance that would take more than four months travel, uh, and then a a note on how uh, many of these these kind of dark eyed folk tales uh, involve the oath gates and some sort of instantaneous travel. That's interesting. It's also interesting that the title is Among the Dark-Eyed, which we know some of these old texts kind of go back and forth on if light eyes or dark eyes should be in charge, but I think that that title in of itself was notable to me. As we get into our chapter, uh, Shalon is trying to process the the events of the lesson uh, and is is partially doing so via one of her, her usual uh, kind of resources which is drawing them out uh, she notes that normally she chooses to like we've seen to kind of consciously memorize a scene and then drawing it uh, this was so impactful that there was absolutely no need to do this she can vividly see what uh, what had happened that evening uh, and has has depicted them in uh, in in several sketches and uh yeah it's it's still heavily impacting her yeah we've we've touched on uh brandon using like uh, there was some chapter where kaladin compared a shade of yellow to like a jaundiced child and we were like what an appropriate simile for a surgeon this chapter opens with thick lines first like trails of blood left by a thumb drawn across rough granite it's like yeah yeah, Shalon's not doing well, huh? My first note of the chapter. Oh, hey, Shalon is doing badly. <laughs> it's a very specific choice of element. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there, there's lots of things one could, uh, of, of liquids one could smear across rock. And uh, blood? She's also drawing by ruby light, which is probably not great for your, like, color studies though she's she's drawing entirely in uh in in black and white uh but also probably not good for your mood where you're drawing this scene of four people getting killed sitting in a windowless yeah. room lit entirely with red light look i don't know why she keeps comparing things to blood there was no blood at those four killings none of them bled uh, it's true i i can't imagine shalon has seen blood like a really violent bloody scene before <sighs> hmm and uh yeah we we get an entire uh kind of breakdown of a uh a, a class in in ethics here 
because Shalon has gone through, she, she's done, as Yasna requested, she's done some studying on was it right what Yasna did? And there are, she's gone through a lot of different, uh, of different points of view that scholars have, have set down over the years. Uh, and as is continuing to be the case with a lot of these questions, none of them agree. So there's there's no easy answer here either. That is true, but most of them do agree that, like, they disagree on why. Yeah. Most of them agree, yeah, Yasna's chill, that's fine. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. Like, is there no philosophy school that's like, hey, um, killing is bad, though. Like, surely there's gotta be one counterexample. You know, it's, and then it just, it just struck me just now, like, it's weird that in our societal norms and in real life, um, the only people who are allowed to cheat are the bad guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only people who are allowed to deceive or to yeah. like, create smoke screens or hatch sinister plots. It's a word sinister plot. Like, <laughs> good guys don't hatch plots. They make plans. Why can't the good guys go down a specific alley at a specific time specifically to kill people? <laughs> God, what would have happened if she went down that alleyway and she wasn't attacked and they just walked the whole way and it was a lovely walk? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it seems like she would have she would have looked for a, another sketchier alley. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this one. Uh, let's go down this one. Uh, all right, Jalan, now go write an essay on how you felt vaguely uncomfortable in the alleys, and, and maybe we'll have another of these excursions tomorrow. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> yeah, they're just walking in circles <laughs> around the, the theater district. Yasna, could we, like, go to a play, maybe? No! No, that's not... <laughs> I'm, I'm doing something. <laughs> After a week, she's, like, fed up and is like... I sure hope nobody steals my million dollars <laughs> that I'm holding in a in a cashier's check right here. It turns out Terabangian did arrest these four guys and she just hadn't heard about it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a uh, there's an interesting part of of this analysis that Shalon is trying to go through where she turns it onto the crime she just committed of of stealing the soulcaster. Uh, and is is talking about how some of these these philosophies that she's been reading about uh, focus very heavily on the motivations behind the action, and the the motivation when she arrived in Carbranth uh, was to to help her family to keep her her brothers from uh, falling into into ruin because of what their father had done, uh, but. Last night, when she actually did steal the Soulcaster, that actual moment, she did it because she thought Yasna didn't deserve it, and she was angry. And so, how does that change if the the crime was the same, but the motivation shifted at the last moment? Yeah, it's juicy. It's it's really <laughs> interesting. While Shalon is. Uh is going over all of these ethical conundrums. She is uh, 
uh, it's still drawing, still trying to kind of process some things. Uh, but she appears to be trying to process something totally different because she has drawn an entirely different scene here. This one uh, depicts a, a fancy dining room uh, with a, a some some decorations and a meal in progress, and a finely dressed man who is lying dead on the floor in a pool of blood. And uh, where did that come from? That was weird. Anyways, I mean, I, I think the the reaction from Shalon is a a bit more extreme than that was weird but she does try to move on from this very quickly yeah i think i I, god i love the i love the drawing thing with chalan i i think it was on the page before but it kind of tying into the the comparison to blood she describes paper as being strapped in place on the table unable to escape which is a viscerally uncomfortable way to describe anything, and the fact that it's just something as normal as a piece of paper is it's just really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just Ugh. It's just viscerally uncomfortable while you're trying to like also work through all these ethical conundrums, which is also what Shalon is feeling. Brandon's good at this, y'all. This is good. This book is good. <laughs> uh, there is, in fact, an interruption that is going to to take Shalon away from from this specific moment that she's in, uh, because she is uh, she's getting another communication from her family. There's a, another span read message uh, from Balot. They have a a, a little. Uh, exchange of, of code phrases. We've seen Delinar do this too. This is apparently just a thing. Just a thing. Yeah, thank God he's uh, the the person at the other end of the line has never been someone with scoliosis and scabies. <laughs> rough. Otherwise, they might have said, my back hurts and my wrist itches. <laughs> and, yeah, it's also, like, this also looks such a very specific thing of like, okay, if someone reads multiple of your letters, they're going to know exactly, like, that's if it was like, okay, if I'm in duress, then I will write, hello, dear brother. And if I'm not in duress, I will just write, hi. Like, that you can disguise. But something yeah. as specific as my back hurts and my wrist itches, it's like, if, if you write that exact sentence on multiple letters, that's a red flag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though, honestly, now that we've said this, I can see that being, like, a running joke in, like, my personal friend group of like how are you doing <laughs> well my back's falling apart and just saying that every yeah. time <laughs> yeah that's that's fair <laughs> as someone with scoliosis my wrist doesn't itch but oh boy talking about how my back hurts would not be a good code phrase for me because <laughs> it just happens yeah my back hurts a little bit right now okay i'm sorry to hear that it's okay, I'm not under duress, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> see, that's, the, that's code the code for phrase right there. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, the, that's, that's actually how you know I'm in duress. If it's like, my back's actually feeling pretty good today. Like, that's something's wrong. Something's bad. Just go, go help! Help! <laughs> uh, the, the contents of this communication, once we've gotten over the, the first sentence fragment, uh, is she gets to, to tell Balot, I did it. I have the Soulcaster. 
uh, and he uh, immediately goes to, oh, that's that's amazing to hear. Are you on your way back? How long is it going to take? Uh, and and she has to say, I haven't left yet. And her explanation is uh, is quite reasonable of if I can wait this out, maybe even until she discovers uh, that that a swap happened, that makes it so much less suspicious for me. So I need to stay here for a little bit longer uh, and and that will will help us get away with it. There's a, a teeny tiny detail right near the beginning of this that I do love of how can you use the span read on the ocean? Are you in port? Because it's they work through sympathetic movement. So yeah, if you're on a boat, which is moving forward moving. and also yep. moving side to side because of waves, you couldn't talk to anyone else because yeah. their span read would just go flying across the room. It would be very funny if like, yeah, the lateral motion would fuck this up. But if it was like completely smooth sailing, you just have to have the person on the other end in like a field constantly moving to the right the entire <laughs> Running, time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, looking like three books into the future, there are some very interesting experiments done using span read type gemstones and large open spaces in which you can move them and cause sympathetic movement on the other side. But we'll get there a long way from now. I'm realizing, yeah, you could have Physics. like a whole fight scene about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the this is the uh, she she explains that I need to stay here for now. Uh, I need to make sure that Yasna does not suspect me because if she does, it will not go well for us. Uh, and and says, two or three weeks, that should be enough time. Also, I can try to figure out how to work it. That's pretty important. Uh, and Balot says that things are getting very precarious and Shalon may not have much more time than that, but they can probably get away with two, maybe three weeks. Uh, and... After that, things will get increasingly risky if Shalon does not manage to to get out. Uh, to her credit, yeah, uh, it it would look incredibly fishy for her to just dip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does mention that the Diamond People have come back and that they disturb him in a profound way, which means one of two things: they're super disturbing, or they're completely normal. And Nonbalad is like a fucking weirdo, and he just thinks normal people are weird. Nonblot just has a very, very twisted sense of how the world is supposed to work. These guys are fucking weird. They don't torture crabs. Guys, they were, <laughs> can you believe yeah. it? They said Weirdos hi. in the Davar family? <laughs> they said hi to my axe hound instead of kicking it. Like, what? Isn't that, <laughs> don't you just do that to your stranger's dog? Why are, why are they acting so weird? So yeah, we'll we'll see how the uh, the Davar family manages to endure these next couple of weeks that communication being done it is is time to go on with the the day uh shallan is uh incredibly on edge given all the current events uh there's a uh, a maid who has come to to clean there's also a, a delivery being made and uh shallan is just like panicking every time somebody comes by yeah you know what's really not suspicious when a maid says, I'm here to clean your room, and you go, okay, and then you immediately 
Actually, you don't say okay. You say nothing. You run back into your room, shut the door, take something out of your trunk, then open the door and say, okay, now you can go in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh... There's there's definitely something going on here, uh, but yeah. Also, there was there was a delivery. Uh, there is more bread and jam from Capsule, who I think is getting increasingly less. I don't I don't know how to phrase the positives and negatives here. Yeah, it it seems like his his focus is slipping, and like he's just sending gifts to Shalon at this point, isn't he? Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> For our our final section of this uh, this chapter, uh, we start with Shalon out to make some sketches. One of which we have we have just seen. So another notch on the sketch actually relevant to the the chapter it's attached to. Was it attached to this one or was it one chapter no, away? I've already forgotten. It was it was a chapter away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Two chapters away actually. It was the flashback chapter. Yeah, so we we see the uh, the shale bark, the uh, the little snail, and uh, Shalon is going to to take a moment here. She has some privacy uh, out here in the gardens, and is just going to try to do a soul cast. And that's kind of the extent of what she tries. She <laughs> she puts it on and just like tries to think. Change, become crystal, become fire. <laughs> Hang on, wait, don't become fire. That would look really sketchy. <laughs> no, if anything worked, it would look sketchy. Well, this that's This is fair. a terrible idea. It is kind of a terrible <laughs> idea, so it's probably a good thing it doesn't work. Serving very similar vibes to the very first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie of Go Web! Yes! Fly! <laughs> so... Yeah, Shalon is, is kind of cataloging what she knows. Uh, Luesh, who was the, the, the steward who actually was part of this operation back home, uh, Balot had, ad, had asked him, how do they work? And he had said, well, it's a lot easier for me to show you. And now he's dead. So that doesn't help. Thanks, man. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shalon is thinking about, you know, she's used uh, other types of Fabrials, but those are, like, things that people built in the last 20 years and so have, like, buttons and levers that you move and, and, and <laughs> probably instruction manuals. And this is a mythological artifact that has none of those things. So, no luck just yet. And uh, we're going to wrap up that chapter with Shalon having done a lot of thinking on the, the multiple ethical dilemmas at hand and... Uh, not entirely satisfied with the answers. That's it. And that is where we will <laughs> we'll end our section. Uh, yeah, a couple of, uh, of significant developments across our different, uh, our different chapters here. Uh, but uh, definitely a slimmer one on the answers front today. Yep. <laughs> Noted. All right. Uh, so moving on to the last two sections of our episode... Uh, we're going to check in with the, again, very small cast list update, uh, which I again forgot to put down an exact list, but I think it will be uh, a brief one. Uh, and then we'll see what theorizing has been done. Uh, leading into this episode recording, Sam said he thought it might be a quicker one because he didn't have much. 
and then proceeded to write down an entire page of notes. So, yep. <laughs> and we also spent like 30 minutes philosophizing in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll check in with the cast list. Uh, I will start by asking Sam. Uh, we have uh, Relier, the uh, the Rishon boy. And any other updates that you have made? And I think that's just about it. Uh, Relier, I don't have one, but I do have one for Barm, the chef. Okay. You know, let's uh, good for Barm. And yes, right? We're never going to see him again, I'm sure. Big ups for Barm. <laughs> Big ups for Barm. <laughs> and you know what? To put honor on his name, I'm casting Andre Rush. I'm completely ignoring Brandon. I'm casting White House chef Andre Rush. Because uh, we're not going to see him again, so why not? All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Hell yeah. Big ups to Andre Rush, by the way. Legitimately big yeah. ups. <laughs> He's a good guy. All right. Uh, Caleb, I am going to actually believe this time that the cast list update will be small, even if it's not literally one person, because you might have also cast Farm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it will also be small. I did not cast Barm. Uh, there's uh, no surprise that Teft is really having a crisis of faith because we have another miracle this week of, yes, I only have one person to add, and it is earlier. <gasps> um, I'm casting Charlie Bushnell, uh, or Bushnell. Um, Bushnell. I, I'm sorry, I don't. It's Bushnell. He played Luke in the new Percy Jackson series, and he was good, and I think he could play an asshole kid, really well. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> Okay. I just yeah. I love his IMDb mini bio. Los Angeles native Charlie Bushnell really had no choice but to act. <laughs> is, is that how that works? His back feels fine and his wrist feels fine, and it was totally yeah, his choice what else to are act. You gonna do? For three generations, he's been drafted into the Hollywood trenches. He must bring <laughs> honor to his family's name. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we we did not have as many answers as we'd perhaps hoped to the previous questions. And we may have opened some, some new questions in this, this episode. Uh, I am, I'm curious, Sam, uh, if you know what the split was between what your original uh, planned theory section was and what you expanded it into, but I'd, I'd like to know them all regardless. I do know the split because I'm working off of Google docs instead of my main document. Aha. Because I'm on my laptop today. It's a laptop day. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, my original was written in media res as I was reading. Um, and it's in all caps. <laughs> so okay, I'll have, I'll have to read it that way, I guess. Very distinctive. <laughs> yeah. So it's and it's not in all caps for format issues. It's in all caps for. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll start with Kaladin. Um, uh, he, he's gonna, I mean, he's gonna get better. I don't even need to fucking say it. it uh, imagine if he didn't, and, and the book Keldon just... fucking dies next chapter. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've brought up this joke a million times. It's gonna happen at some point, and we're all gonna be really sad. Maybe in a new Brandon book. Maybe we're giving him ideas by symbiosis or something. I don't know. That's not the right word for it. I don't care. Uh, anyway, uh, was he a putz who gave the money back or was he a cool guy who went to Carbranth? Um, 
I'm leaning toward putts. I'm, I, he believed that light eyes were cool at this time. He's got a big focus on honor in general. Light eyes are honorable men. Maybe his dad was wrong. I don't know. Let me steal the spheres from him and deliver them to, I guess, maybe not. <laughs> it would be weird if it was to Rashon. Maybe he'll do it to Laral secretly. Could be Laral, yeah. But then Laral will spill the beans. Oh, no. I don't know. Did he say he let Liren down? I feel like he did at, at some point. He said he let down his parents in his hallucination yeah. chapter. So, well, just like the deer to let. <laughs> just like in the deer hunter. Uh, <laughs> um, so Shalon did not steal the soul caster in the bath, but she stole it while brushing hair, which is still grooming. So, ha. Uh, <laughs> and she did steal that shit. Uh, so now what? Um, this is a, I think it would be cool. Not a, I think this will actually happen. But I think it would be cool if Yasna tries to use it in another high-pressure situation and it's broken and it doesn't work. But I don't think that's how it's going to actually go. I didn't really write how it's going to actually go, but I think it'd be cool if it was like that. Um, I think Cabzol as Patsy is not going to happen because Yasna... Oh, wait, I'm continuing this thought. Damn, I f- my notes. Uh, Cabzol as Patsy <laughs> is not going to happen in this theoretical timeline that i'm inventing uh because yasna's just gonna die or it'll happen with post-mortem but i really kind of think that capsule is a red herring okay Maybe. um also brandon mentioned that the smokestone was broken with the uh soul caster with yasna soul caster um, so maybe Yasna will just replace the smokestone and the swapped soulcaster and make it work. And then it works <laughs> again. Yeah. Would be fucking hilarious. And then she has to swap it again. <laughs> that'd be that'd be so great. Um But uh if Shalon's plot boils down to you have to reload it, idiot, I I think that'd be great. Uh but I don't think that's gonna how it be how it actually happens. Uh I think it'd be cool if Yasna died. Ah, that's a cool thing for a person to say. Um, I think I think King T is going to hear about what happened, and I think he's going to be upset about it. Um, maybe he's not taking action because they're on the dole. I don't know. Uh, King T, we don't know shit about him, really. We know he likes getting his picture drawn. So... Uh, something as i was as i was <laughs> noting down that prediction google sheets was auto completing a previous prediction of yours you did predict a teravangian heel turn with i don't think you had much detail on that it was almost a would be interesting but it, it has been on your mind before yeah so kind of continuing off of that like this is what that heel turn would start with if it happens maybe i don't know okay all right. Uh, let me see. Yep. Uh, so here's here's the part that I wrote originally. Hey, what happened to Shalan's dad? What happened to him, Shalan? Did you betray him? Was he the first person you betrayed who trusted you? We only know a few people that you know, and all of them are shitheads and criminals and alive except your dad. 
We're also like two thirds of the way through this book. And last episode, there was only one new character and he's going to die soon. So it's probably not someone we haven't met yet. This episode, there's one new character from the past in a different country. Also, it's probably not the fucking Mitsubishi thugs with Mitsubishi tattoos because he was their fucking golden goose and they're as surprised as everyone else that he's gone. So the question becomes, why would you kill your dad, Shalan? Or did you? I don't know, but this is weird. And I don't think it's not you. <laughs> you don't think it's not Shalon. Okay. I don't think Noted. it's not Shalon. That's 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 <laughs> my, that down. <laughs> my conclusion. Um, it isn't so you... not Shalon who killed her dad. Okay. <laughs> yes. So you tell me, Shalon, why'd you kill your dad? No, but seriously, I'm not sure yet. Um, I'd say we're probably not far enough along to guess. But I think we know that she betrayed her somebody in her life. She knows the taste of betrayal. We know her her dad is dead. Um, we now know, going off of what I noted here, uh, that she's motivated by shame. So is she ashamed that she's cost her whole family this thing? And that's why she's like honor bound herself to do this. I don't know. Um, but I think, yeah, <laughs> I think Yasna's betrayal was the blood on the marble, the whole, I don't know. There's all kinds of clues on it. I think, I think Shalon killed her dead. There you go. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with Mitsubishi crew. I don't think they did it. That's what I'm calling them now. Uh, because Shalon doesn't know who they are. And I don't think it's at the behest of any family member. Or done by any family member because they're all putting their full faith in all the chips the whole like the they're putting the house keys in this bet they're going everything in <laughs> they're putting they're putting a loaded revolver pointed at themselves on the table going all in on this bet so yeah i i i feel like it's gotta be her <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Shalon's main motivator here seems to be shame. When she's ashamed of someone or something, she takes action. She weighed for herself to be ashamed of Yasna before stealing the Soulcaster. Um, so I think she went on this whole trip because she was ashamed of the, mo of the moida she done. <laughs> I think she might have moided him because he fucked up their entire family through a really shitty upbringing and she was ashamed of him. And sorry, Shalon, I don't think she's smart enough to have a grand plan to snag his great wealth and huge tracts of land as Good evidenced reference. by how shitty things are going back in yeah kevin because she's very book smart but i'm not getting the impression that she's like have a great plan smart she's good at like she's good at um oh how would you like she's good at, like stratego but she's terrible at risk is what i'd say she can All think right. a couple moves ahead she's good at a battle eh, i don't think she's great at war Okay. <laughs> so that's my big angry rant. <laughs> Blood Shout on the marble, Shalon. <laughs> Shout out to Stratego. Shout out to Super Risk, where you play every battle using Stratego as yep. the game that you battle Oh, with. man. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I, love, I love combination board games. They're very silly. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is... I, I appreciate when your predictions get uh, quite passionate. 
The passion is there. Brandon, you've brought it from me. Uh, all right. That was... Uh, I got some, some very cool things to note down. We will check back in on some of those. We'll have to see how long it takes to check back in on some of those. Because uh, some of that stuff could be like later book plot even. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I was planning... I, I wanted a sniper shot because I'm sick of all these little lob shots. I wanted... <laughs> I want it to be like, now watch this drive. All right. <laughs> That's a George Bush reference, baby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we are going to uh, find the Parshendi who killed the king, and we are going to deliver swift justice. Now watch this drive. Okay, I'm going to use that as, as good of a transition as any to ask uh, Caleb what your thoughts on these chapters were and where these are going to take us in future sections. Sure, we're actually going to have a little bit of overlap here. Um, I'll actually start with Kaladin, but when we get to Shallan, I'm going to have more things to to talk about there. Um, I was excited that I was, it seems like I was probably maybe a little bit right that Kaladin is inherently using Stormlight to heal I had an image of my head if he gets out of the high storm and he's perfectly fine. That definitely did not happen. No, but not quite. Um, it seems like he probably was able to survive because of the fact that he was drawing on Stormlight, which is pretty cool. Um, and the description of how he heals up when Tef gives him the marks was really interesting because it felt a lot like how we've heard Shardplate heals itself. Um, which, that's just really, really interesting to me and feels weird. And it makes me even ask the question of like, is Shardplate alive in some weird way? I don't know. It's, that's, that's really interesting. Really, really interesting to think about. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I also had a lot of Shalon thoughts uh, this time around um, because yeah, she accidentally drew a, a room where a, a nicely dressed man is dead on the floor. Um, and unlike the Cthulhu heads where she was like, what the fuck is that? I don't know why I drew that. She instead went, she, she didn't react with surprise that she had thought to draw it. She just went, oh, I don't want to think about that or look at it. So that definitely feels like it is a memory rather than a weird hallucination thing with the Cthulhu heads. Um, and yeah, she keeps talking about the stuff she had done back in Yaakov and the people had turned against. And um, I'll go, I'll go a half step further. I, it's not only that I don't think it wasn't Shalon. I do think it was Solon, which I that's I say I did did say that as well. But um, yeah, I also am getting the vibe there. I'm 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 putting my chips down on that theory as well. Um, and as an added, just kind of bonus, I didn't I didn't focus too much on possible um, motivation. I like everything Sam was working with. I did not think about that at all. Um, in terms of like, we now know the the culprit and the room and the only question left is the murder weapon um <laughs> and we got another weird one-off line that brandon seems trying to sneak past us of hey shallan's like i was in that alley and i had a concealed weapon that i didn't use shallan what's with the shard blade that you definitely have but you don't want to tell anyone about what's going on with that um so yeah brandon thought i had forgotten i didn't She's definitely got a shard blade. What the fuck's going on with that? I don't know. I'm excited to find out more, but I'm I'm doubling down back on that theory that I came up with a while ago. I tried to find where that thing about the the ten heartbeats was the first time, and I couldn't even find it. But it's very early on; it just gets briefly mentioned. Um, 
so yeah she probably killed her dad with a shard blade um and uh yeah that's uh that's wild uh what else is going on with shalon um i actually you know it's it's the the character confirmation means probably won't happen problem of I thought Capsol was going to steal the Soulcaster, and then Yasna said he's probably going to try and steal the Soulcaster, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, then it's probably not that anymore. Um, but I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against the grain here. I think Capsol as Patsy is more likely to happen um, now. I feel like um, Shalon probably needs one more additional thing to realize, oh, I can't trust Capsol. He's only interested in me because it gets her him closer to Yasna, something like that, for her to go. All right, then I'm blaming it on him, and I'm getting the fuck out of here. Um, I don't think that's going to, she's not going to fully follow through with that, but I think she is going to develop a plan to make Capsule with Patsy. Um, I think in terms of what's going on with Yasna, um, I don't think she's going to die, but I really like the idea that Sam came up with of, um, uh, she's going to get into trouble again and try to use her Soulcaster and then it won't work. Um, but rather than that going horribly, horribly wrong, I think that might be a moment where Shalon goes, oh shit, that's my fault. Here's a shard blade. I will save Yasna. Um, I think that would be another really interesting place to take that kind of scene. Um, I, I think that, that'd be cool. Um, and then one more Yasna thing. I think the big philosophy lesson at the end of it is Shalon's going to go, okay, according to all the books, you were in the right, but I still hate it. And Yasna goes, good. That was the lesson. It didn't feel morally right, did it? Now you need to write your own philosophy about why it wasn't right. Like the the lesson is like philosophy isn't done. It's not over. And if it does not explain how to handle a moral situation, then it is up to you, a scholar of the next generation, to figure out a philosophy that works for explaining why this doesn't feel morally okay. Um, I I think. Yasna is very much aware that it was a fucked up thing to do and that is the the lesson is not just hey look at this thing I can do it is hey think about why that made you feel bad and elaborate on it um instead of just trying to this instead of instead of listening to the other philosophers who say that it was technically okay to do um so that's most of my Shalon stuff. My last question, because I just thought more about this, and I was I was encouraged to brainstorm because we had a scene of Shalon drawing something and going, I didn't mean to draw that. What's going on with those Cthulhu heads with that full page bonus illustration we've got? Because um, I had the initial thought of there's some psionic thing, there's something in her brain that made her draw those people. Um, and they weren't actually there, but they're in her head in some way. And then I realized a, a, a much, much more terrifying thing. And I mentioned this earlier. I love horror because it makes you go, oh, that's really fucked up. I love that. So I hope it's this one. Um, I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who in my life. I am aware that there is a baddie in Doctor Who called The Silence. And their whole deal is you forget about them as soon as you look away from them. You forget that you saw them at all. And I think it'd be really interesting if there's something kind of similar happening here of not only did Shalon draw these weird ghost figures, she drew them because they were actually literally there and she just didn't realize it and no one realized it. I think that's terrifying and cool and awesome and spooky. Um, and I don't think it could work. It, it can't be exactly the silence because if it worked like the silence, she would look up while she was drawing and go, hey, what the fuck is that? Um, and that didn't happen. But I think it could be something along those lines of they really were there 
but only her subconscious was able to pick up on it um yeah i think that'd be really cool and interesting and and, and terrifying um, and spooky, so that, yeah. And spooky. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's all my theories on the main storyline. Once more, what's going on with these fucking epigraphs? Um, we have mention of the Dawn Shard, and Yasna says, I don't know what that is. And we mentioned, like, sometimes something was written, and you just kind of, the people who wrote it expected it to be fully understandable. But once several generations passed, it's like, nope, I have no idea what you're talking about. So. On the one plan, on the one hand, that could be perhaps in reference to the honor blades, which, to my understanding, are the blades that the heralds had, which are separate from shard blades. They're a bump up from shard blades. Um, so it could a uh, dawn shard could be another word for honor blade. Or I brought this up before. We've learned from our Ars Arcanums of the past. Ars RT Arcanum. I should know the plural of that, but I don't. I'll ask um, about it. Uh, we know from that that shard with a capital S seems to refer to oh we also know from the, the, the epigraphs in part 2 I think that also gets mentioned um, shard with a capital S generally means like one thing that's causing magic on the entire planet um, cell has a shard Skadriel has a shard and now in Roshar we have a bunch of other capital S shard things but that can't be all it is um, so maybe the Dawn Shard refers to the first big shard that caused all the magic in the world, and at one point that shattered into a bunch of smaller ones. Um, I think that might be what that is. Um, and then also, going to go out a little bit of a limb here, we get another passage about how creatures are born from the darkness, and it's marked upon their bodies as the fire marks their souls, and that seems like it might be a passage about the Voidbringers, and um, it seems like Yasna, who is studying the Voidbringers, studying the Parshendi, it seems like she might be piecing together her own theory. And I think the conclusion she might draw is that the Parshendi actually are the Voidbringers or descendants of the Voidbringers. But here's the thing. I already talked earlier about character confirmation. I think that's a misdirect and Yasna is wrong about that. I could be coping, but... We got this passage about b creatures of the darkness that, that have it marked upon their bodies. We saw a chapter and a chapter from last time. There was a thing about how the, the creatures changed as we fought them. And both of those don't sound like Voidbringers and they don't sound like the Parshendi. They sound like the Midnight Essence that we heard in that one uh, 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 flashback chapter with Dalinar. But I don't know if Yasna knows the Midnight Essence exists. So I think it would be really interesting if she is looking at a bunch of these references to scary creatures and she might accidentally be conflating some of them. And I think she's going to draw the wrong conclusion from it because I want to still be right about the Parshendi being the Knight's Radiant. I don't want to back down from that yet, but it doesn't look like Yasna is drawing that exact conclusion yet. So I think she might be just, just a couple of dots unconnected away from discovering the truth that I, in all of my infinite knowledge, have uncovered. I could be blatantly, totally, completely wrong, but that's <laughs> what I'm operating with, and that's all I've got. Okay. Uh, I was chatting with Beth on the uh, the side during this. This was an active theorizing section from from both of of uh, from both Sam and Caleb for us making yeah. notes on theories. Uh, I do Big want to, to throw a, a small wrench into the 
the the building theory about what Shalon may or may not have uh, have been responsible for. And Caleb, your note on Brandon's repeated insistence on very obliquely mentioning possibly Shalon having a shard blade and then saying nothing about it. If you do want to link those two, there is a bit of a, a wrinkle there in that if Shalon killed her father with a shard blade, there wouldn't be any blood. So, um, oh, that is true. Yeah, that would that would be a, that. an interesting point there. But yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces in that general area, aren't there? Maybe it's just like some early timeline weirdness, like that one Star Wars scene where Obi Wan cuts a dude's arm off and it's super bloody, and then every other time someone is de-armed with a lightsaber, they're like, "No, it cauterizes it. It's fine." No, the canon explanation, actually, I don't know if this is true, but it's my explanation for it. That specific alien skin just can't cauterize, so maybe Shalon's <laughs> dad isn't human. <laughs> there's, and there's gotta that's be why an they're so fucked up. <laughs> He's Midnight Essence. <laughs> Wait, they also John don't Midnight bleed, Essence. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> they, they don't... Oh, yeah, no, they, like, smoke, don't they? They, like... Yeah. Yeah. They're smokers. Hmm. I think we may just need to read more of this book and find out. Maybe <laughs> no, I was I wrong about it. the clue guess, but she definitely got a shard blade. I, that, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going to continue to read this book and see if we can, uh, can some, get some answers in that regard. Uh, the next section that we have up is another four chapters, chapters 40 through 43, uh, beginning with Eyes of Red and Blue, starting on our next page, uh, of which the first word of the chapter is Kaladin, so we, we know <clears throat> where, we'll, where we'll be heading there. Uh, and we're... It's a Dalinar chapter. <laughs> he's not even supposed to be in part three Keldon lay on the, the barracks as Dalinar came to visit <laughs> uh, we're actually getting pretty close to the end of part three we only have uh, three more episodes which will get us actually into our our interludes so uh, starting to starting to actually wrap things up and I will say as as far as endings of parts go the ending of part three, I think, is a good one. So, well, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, chapters 40 through 43 for our, our next episode. Uh, you'll find that next week on alwaysanotherpodcast.com, as well as, as well as all of our past episodes, if you want to give those a listen again. Or if you're just joining us and you want to go back to some of the other books, that would be uh, a good place to do that as well. Uh, you can also send us an email at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, we've had some uh, some fun uh, some fun notes come in in the last uh, couple of weeks or so. I have not been responding to all those given our unusual schedule, but uh, rest assured I'm, I'm giving them a read, and we appreciate that. You can also find us on Twitter at alwaysanotherpod, Instagram at alwaysanotherpod, and Mastodon at alwaysanotherpod at kind.social. Uh, we'll keep you up to date there with our episodes. Uh, we'll also let you know if we do have to take another week off, though I think we may be starting to smooth things out here. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. And hey, I really want to... I'll be honest. I was kind of surprised that you guys were honestly like 
kind of coming around to Yasna's side. I want to hear other people's takes. I really honestly do. Yeah. Was what Yasna did right? Or was it the incredibly fucked up thing that I think it was? That was actually the the one thing that I did not... um, I I had been meaning to to do a bit more pre-work for this episode recording. I had actually meant to go kind of trawl around various Cosmere fandoms to see what what other people thought about this. And I did not do that before this episode. Uh, and so I will echo Sam's thoughts that I would, I would love to hear from, from our listeners in particular on what, what is the verdict on what Yasna just did? <laughs> Porque no los dos could be incredibly fucked up and maybe okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fucked up, but was it wrong? Who knows? But was it good fucked up or bad fucked up? It, look, <laughs> there's no way of knowing. Guys, my, my backs feel great right now. 